welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about book one of the New Jedi Order, Vector Prime by R.A. Salvatore. I don't know, I decided to make it a little Italiano. Why not? I don't know. Whatever, guys. <laughs> it's Monday morning. Leave me alone. <laughs> no, seriously, though, this week, I'm actually really excited to start this book, man. And for, you know what, anybody tuning in and downloading, what a good time. What a good time to jump aboard. We are about to start three years of 19 books of a single series. <laughs> you got some listening. So hop on board today with book one. Vector Prime, chapters one through four. But first, bum bum bum. I'm Justin. <laughs> I'm and previously on Forever Canon, we talked about how this book series starts with a TV commercial, and how this book series starts with bringing in a big name. Very popular, successful author. We get a ringer, we get a commercial, and then after going over the covers last week, we open it up this week with chapter one, and we get something we haven't had in 18 books of covering these expanded universe legends so far. Chapter titles. Yes. Chapter one. Fraying fabric. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, ominous. <laughs> we open the series. We open this new generation of Jedi adventures on Leia Organa Solo. In the shuttle of the Jade Saber with Mara Jade Skywalker and Leia's daughter, Jaina Solo. The Solo Walker Lady Party is in full swing. Mm-hmm. Last time we read about Jaina was a previously on. Today, she is 16 and she is an excellent pilot. Pilot? I'm not good at this. No. She's Mara's apprentice and she's described to look like a young Leia herself, right? And we're all headed to Ramamool. That's why we're in the Jade Saber. We're headed to Ramamool and Osarian. Two planets that are close enough in their orbits to be able to attack each other with missiles. <laughs> yeah. Like surface weapons. And they're having a conflict. So, former chief of state, Leia Solo, is heading out to do her usual diplomacy. Yeah, pretty recently former. Yeah. Like, it, it hasn't been long that she wasn't running the galaxy. And let's be clear. You know, like... Jerry Seinfeld on Larry King. She didn't get fired. She walked away from the job. Mm -hmm. She retired. Yeah. From politics. She didn't get fired. She's not in bad standing. She didn't lose an election. Or she, she walked away a winner. Mm -hmm. Still diplomatic work to be done. Especially over here where two planets are close enough to touch each other's butts. With <laughs> each other's Butts. The leader of Ramamul, Nam Anor, is escalating the conflict. Also, Mara is sick. She's one of two survivors of some rare molecular disease disorder. Yeah. What? 
That's interesting, eh? Yeah, everybody ha- else dies quickly. Yeah, everybody dies really quickly. She's keeping herself alive somehow with the Force. But, like, we haven't had a, in a chronically ill character, mm-hmm. have we? And you know what else is interesting? Would be starting a science fiction series, mind you, in an established universe, the EU. Mm-hmm. But starting a new series with three female characters. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Jaina, right away. Huh. Go, go listen to 156 or so previous episodes. Here she is right away. Oh, but yeah. Um, anyways, back to the point. We haven't had really a, the only kind of like chronic illness that we've had in Star Wars is like becoming a Sith. Yeah. Right. Like that's like, that's like the only progressive disorder that we've mm-hmm. seen really going back. Or I guess, you know, we've seen people uh, become joiners and stuff like that with the Killix, but like this is, she's, she's sick. Yeah. She's actually ill. Yeah. She's just, she's got something. They don't know where, yeah, it's a what mystery it is, disease what and it don't came know from. where she got it from and. Just that she she's alive and the other person that's alive is being studied yeah. to figure it out. Oh, man. They don't tell us who the other person is. So. But, yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't think of that. Um, but, you know, we're setting the stakes here early on. There's a there's a uh, an interplanetary conflict, you know, politics at work. Yeah. Let's get it going. Um, there's also some sort of backstory here with a, a mystery illness that's... Uh, crept into one of our characters, one of our main characters, assuming, you know, we're mm-hmm. being introduced to them in the first chapter, <laughs> you know, and we know Mara Jade Skywalker is Luke's wife and this is her special shuttle that he built for her and all that jazz. Right. Yeah. But she's sick. Huh. That's going to be interesting to find out about as we go along. Some mercenaries show up as we're flying the Jade Saber in between the two planets and they say, you can't go meet with Nominor. You have to come to our planet first. Yeah. Because politics. Yeah, political reasons. Yeah. And although nervous, the adults put 16-year-old Jaina in the pilot seat and go team. Yeah. She's got to learn, right? Yeah, she gets the helm of the brand new ship <laughs> to try out all the different things. And mind you, Mara Jade Skywalker sitting in the co-pilot seat is a fantastic pilot. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's got a good, that's her master, her yeah. Jedi master. This is apprentice time. This is teachable moments, right? <laughs> and she takes the pilot seat and she does well. The sight of Jaina, the fire in her brown eyes, the determined set of her jaw, the sheer concentration. At that moment, Leia knew. Her daughter was a woman now. She's 16. And with all the grit of her father and mother combined. That's saying some. Right. That's very pointedly telling us we're not going to be treating these characters like children. Mm -hmm. As we talked about in the last episode last week, when we read the back cover, it's telling us plainly we're taking these children, these teenagers, and we're putting them in the party. Yeah. They're not NPCs staying at home anymore to be babysat by droids and then kidnapped across the galaxy. They're literally in the pilot seat now to start this series. Yep. And if that's not enough of a metaphor, obvious metaphor (laughs) to get you hooked and in the mood for 
learning more about these brand new generation of Jedi. Well, I, well, just stay tuned. It's going to get better. Okay. Just letting us know the teens are running the story now. Okay? Meanwhile, as Jane is piloting the ship away in between and away from these mercenaries and, you know, spinning and, and brake pumping and yeah. arcing and flipping. Uh, 3PO is just crashing around <laughs> with every maneuver. Being thrown around and all it's over funny, place. but it's also kind of rude yeah. to not give this guy magnetic boots at, by this point. Yeah. You've been flying around the galaxy with him for 30 years. Yeah. Uh, uh, they didn't even tell him to go sit down or anything. Nothing. Just, just like crash, going. bang, boom, <laughs> rattle, bang on my drum all day, 3PO in the back, in the trunk, just smashing around. Yeah. Get Magnets, right? Magnet boots. Easy enough. He's been fall- tumbling around the galaxy for 30 years. They have laser beams. They could <laughs> easily find magnets. Like, strap in. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that was some good comic relief to start it off, you know? And in setting the tone for the for the book and the whole series, we're going to have action. It's going to be lighthearted. But it's also going to be moments of intense threat Yeah. in this action. Where we might also have a, a metal droid tumbler in the back of the ship. <laughs> the mercenaries, in a moment of intensity, fire on Leia's shuttle. Risky, boys and gals. Yeah. It's a risky move. That's the president a week ago. They know who's on the <laughs> ship, too. Yeah, they know exactly what they're doing. The solo walker women, meanwhile, are not worried. Jaina Pro dodges, and we're saved by a mystery Jedi. We land on the Mon Cal cruiser, Mediator, and Mara is fainty. The disease was Mara's fight alone, to Mara's thinking. A battle that had forced her to reconsider everything she thought about her life, past, present, and future, and everything she thought about death. She's she's sick, and it's going to be a big deal. Yeah. Like, we're not just like, ah, oh, she's ill, and then we move on. We're having moments of reflection on it. It's going to be a big deal. Mm-hmm. This mystery illness that's threatening the life of Luke Skywalker's wife. I said those words in the right order. Right? You did. Oh, man. <laughs> don't usually nail that. <laughs> but it's going to be a big deal. I don't know. I'm just trying to point out what we're being told, you know, in the opening chapter. Like, yeah, what's coming? What are we going to be promised? What are we looking for? What are we looking forward to? This illness is going to be a running thread that's going to be a mystery to be solved. This is a little mystery subplot. Mm. Interesting. Going to be a big thread. Just saying. We meet our mystery Jedi on the Mon Cal Cruiser. His name is Worth Skidder. Skidder with two Ds, and I don't love this name. It doesn't come out nicely either. No. You know, space names. It's fine. It is what it is. But Worth Skidder is the... Cocky young blonde Jedi fella who flew in the middle of all Jaina's maneuvers and shot at the mercenaries and shot some of them down. Yeah, I think he destroyed a couple. Yeah. And they were, meanwhile, just like, you know, just dodging in between the raindrops. We're not going to cause any harm. We're just going to get to our destination and ignore these fools. Well, he comes out brash and dash and I guess smash and crash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blowing up mercenary ships. and They didn't ask for help? No, they did not, did they? These women did not need to be saved by this man, did they? No. Again, like, let's make the point. This is the year 2000. 
this is might as well be Stone Age writing. Yeah. As far as uh, as equality of genders go in any form. Mm-hmm. We're starting this book with three women being saved by a man, and they're like, "Get out of here! You wrecked everything, yeah. dummy!" Yeah. Uh, they get a look at why Leia was so good at what she did because she stares down this young Jedi. Yeah. And she, what are you doing? You ruined it all. Yeah. We could have come here, no shots fired. We would have gotten our thing accomplished. And now you just pissed off these other people. Yeah. Great. She, she politics his butt off. <laughs> and he actually looks um, like he got taught. Like he's but like upset. you said, showing off how smart and intimidating and powerful and control mm-hmm. she is. You know, Let's get to know these characters quickly right in the top of the book. And let's get to know Worth Skitter, a guy who says things like couple O. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, no. <laughs> I don't, what is this guy's accent? <laughs> anyway, Leia's mad because this guy just ruined girl party. Cut to C9PO. Yes. What? Yeah, I said it. A droid on Ramamool, hiding from a fanatic cult of machine smashers, yelling perversion, life pretender. Ugh. Yeah, the red knights of life. Ugh. 9PO gets captured. And dragged to the Square of Hopeful Redemption. We're getting a lot of high fantasy capital letter names, right? If you want to go back to the last series and hear us talk about how fun that is sometimes. The Square of Hopeful Redemption. He's being dragged there by a bunch of machine-hating religious zealots. So, fingers crossed. Cut to (laughs) Solo Walker women talking about Naminor, the leader of Ramamul, who hates the New Republic and the Jedi. Red flags. Yep. Why? <laughs> Why? Why does he hate the Jedi? Because they're elitist. Why does he hate the New Republic? Because they're centrist, right? Yeah, they're not helping us. And, and you know, I don't mind talking about the spoiling things from the next series this way. The This is the state of the galaxy perpetually. Yeah. And it is the state of politics perpetually. The... <laughs> the... The, the power takes care of the power. And mm-hmm. only... They tell you it trickles down, but it doesn't. Yeah. And so this is always a rallying point, right? At any time in the, in the history of the world, let alone the history of thousands of worlds in the galaxy of Star Wars. But he hates the government and he hates the magic people. P.S. We uh, find out Luke is considering reestablishing the Jedi Council. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. There's we, no there's no council at the we've moment. We've met three Jedi already. Four, excuse me. <laughs> worth, sorry, worth less. <laughs> we've already met four Jedi. But now we find out the Jedi are are spread thin and sporadically uh, pointed in their own directions across the yeah, galaxy. They right? They're no, all on their own missions. They, they have, have no central goal. They have no guidance. Yep. And I wonder, like, what shape is the Jedi Order in right now at the beginning of this series? If you don't have a council, do they have a temple? They definitely have somewhere where they trained everybody. The Academy on Ossus, I guess. Yeah. Or a different place? And I don't remember. the temple would still be on Coruscant. Right. Just Either way, not being used, what I guess? shape is the Jedi Order in right now? What we get to know is that they're scattered, they're self-focused, and they're almost divided mm-hmm. and that's what we see here where worth skitter comes in to save the day and the rest of the jedi are like what the hell man 
Yeah. You ruined the day. <laughs> we got our first mention of Jason Solo here. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know this. If you're just new, if you're tuning in, this one is my favorite. Jason Solo thinks reestablishing the Jedi Council is a bad idea, Uncle Luke, who's 30 <laughs> years older than me, and I'm 16. Yeah. <laughs> 16-year-old uncle, uh, not 16-year-old uncle, 16-year-old nephew and old uncle Luke are at odds. Write that down. Yeah. P.S. Mara met Nominor once before. Oh, God, man. Why is everything coming out all butt-rhymey sing-song, but slap-chop to shit? <laughs> I like that. All right. Okay. Mara met Naminor once, right? And she's like, you know what? Quote, he had nothing to do with the Force. End quote. What does that even mean? Yeah, she couldn't pick him up or read anything in the he Force. Does, of he him. had nothing to do with the Force, is what, what she said. Cut to the people of Ramamul. Well, I don't know. Turns out they're slaves to the people of Osarian. Yes. The rich people of Osarian run the mines of Ramamul, where the miners live and work. Yeah, and used to be a prison usurp, colony. Usurp, of course, all of the uh, the benefits. They reap all the rewards of the mining. Right? Uh, as you do, yeah. Slaves. Mm-hmm. Across the galaxy. It's going to be a standard in Star Wars, as it always has been. And so, people are going to fight. <laughs> There's <laughs> tension. There's always going to be tension in the galaxy when you have people you know, in control of other people. But Ramamul... Slavery is bad. Check out our previous episodes. When we're here, we meet Naminor. We get into his head slightly. Yeah. He's a bad guy with superiors. And then 9PO gets tossed in a pit of droids. <laughs> and everything in the pit is stoned to death by the humans of Naminor's religious cult. Of zealot terrorists. Yeah, for And they're stoning these droids for hours. Because they're machines and they don't the, simply die. Yeah. They, easily, I guess. Takes a lot of damage, apparently. Takes a lot of work to smash a pit full of 9PO's. But this is a big first chapter. Mm-hmm. You also get into Nominor's head where he doesn't care about the planet. The inhabitants, their cause. Yeah, he is just up to no good for his own purposes, yeah. manipulating everything and, he, and everyone. He's lo- the only thing he cares about in this whole thing is he's loving the chaos it causes. Good word. But what this, you know, I've been listening to writers talk about writing stuff lately. And so a question that I have to ask myself after the first chapter is what are we being promised for the book and this series? What is the first chapter telling us? That we have to look forward to. Things like Jaina and Jason. Solo twins stepping into the spotlight. Jaina's mm-hmm. already been an amazing pilot. And Jason gets introduced uh, third hand as a detractor to the strongest wizard in the world. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be interesting. Speaking of, Luke versus Jason. We've already set them up as with an antagonistic relationship. Yeah. Politics. Galaxy divided as always. There's war. There's kids taking over. I already said that. Mara is sick. There's a mystery. There's a, Naminor is a mystery. There's a bad guy, you know, spinning things in the background. 
up to no no good, some sort of unknown nefarious deeds. Yeah. For what purpose? I don't know. There's a lot going on in this first chapter. Eh? Yeah, it's setting us up for a lot of different threads to follow and to pay And let me to. stop you right there, threads, and ask you, what is the fraying fabric from the chapter title? Is it the New Republic, obviously, right? You can see spreading and, and fraying in, in that chaos that mm-hmm. Nominor is stirring up. But what about also the humanity? Yeah. Like, if we look at the people of Ramamul, they're being stripped of their humanity by their oppressors and by the dude who's claiming to free them. They're being turned into monsters. Yeah. Vi- they're being turned into just violent like just terrorists. A, a, yeah, a, a mob of hatred. Yeah, right. There's no conscientious decision-making happening here. It's like they're losing their humanity mm-hmm. and becoming something alien. Frank Fabric. Chapter 2. Intergalactic Eyes. We meet Danny Quee. <laughs> Don't love that. I, I, I pronounce it as Key myself. Uh, okay. I never have, and so thus I can't. <laughs> but, um, I... Danny Quee? <laughs> I'm just going to hear Quee in, <laughs> in my head. Now, yeah. We're read it. <laughs> we meet Danny Quee on the outer rim planet of Belkadan. Or Belkaden. I don't know. Listen, guys. Dude, just call everybody whatever you want. doesn't matter. Yeah. The story is fun. Ever, okay? ever People's you put names and places names isn't what's important. Mm-hmm. Unless you're trying to talk about it. But Danny Quee <laughs> on the outer rim planet of Belkadan in a science facility and she is a science boss searching for life beyond the known galaxy what could be on nope <laughs> what could be beyond the edge of our gal it's a struggle today right yeah what else could be out there mm, interesting noted she's a small curly blonde haired green eyed 21 year old scientist at a dangerous outpost on the galaxy's edge. And she's in charge, basically. She like, sure is, of X-Gal 4. Mm-hmm. And it's boring here. Yeah, she used to be really excited about the Discovery, and now she's just kind of going through the motions every day. They're like they're at like a, a SETI um, operation. The search for, they're mm-hmm. searching for extragalactic signals. Yeah. Right? They're just a bunch of telescopes pointed out, radio telescopes pointed out at the edge of the galaxy going... Wonder if we'll ever hear anything ever. <laughs> yeah. I wonder. Noted. Because, <laughs> you know, what is this book telling us? Why are we going to a place where we're searching for life beyond the edge of our galaxy? Ask yourself that question. It's boring here at XGAL 4. And we cut to Yeoman Carr studying Danny Quee. And just who is this Yeoman Carr? Well, allow me to read from the book. Yeoman Carr's people, the Yuzhan Vong, resembled humans in form. Uh-oh. <laughs> Though they were, on average, a dozen or so centimeters taller and quite a bit heavier and had less hair on their heads, both face and scalp. Their ways were hardly similar. Even if Yeoman Carr might admit that Danny was somewhat attractive physically... Though how could she be with not a single scar or tattoo to mark her rise toward godhood? 
Those tenant differences, attitude differences, made him consider any union with her with disgust. He was Yuzhan Vong, not human, and a Yuzhan Vong warrior. How ironic then that the pitiful humans thought him one of them. <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> There is a secret alien posing as a human at the facility on the edge of the galaxy searching for signals from beyond the edge of the galaxy. Yeah. There is an alien in disguise, a Yuzhan Vong, who thinks humans a sec. Yep. Because they don't scar and tattoo themselves to become gods. Yeah, he's a warrior on a scientific outpost. He is a spy. Yes. He is a hidden spy. And this is about the most exciting chapter two I've probably ever read. Because I've heard the words Yuzhan Vong before. You know what? Go back and listen. We've said it a lot. Yep. (laughs) I didn't know he was, we were poking heads up out of the sand in chapter (laughs) two. Yeah. Oh my God. And then the description of just, okay. He is very judgmental, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he uh, um, he ascribes to uh, trying to attain a godlyhood. Yeah, and he's a warrior. These are like that's just some basic facts about this alien, brand new alien. Okay, mind you, Star Wars is full of aliens, mm-hmm. but not any time in Star Wars do the aliens go. They don't know anything about me. These pitiful humans. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Every every alien is kind of known, uh, except for these guys. Apparently, super harsh and judgmental, non-human, callous hatred. Yuzhan Vong. Whatever that means, Tim. <laughs> Wink. The other scientists get high and play <laughs> space chess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a twilight around. She's got some real. Yeah. Let's have fun, guys. Let's. It's so boring here. Let's spice it up. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you say on CSI uh, X Gal Four when you find these, <laughs> these overdosed <laughs> drug addict uh, corpses the next day. Mind you, recreational use. Okay, I didn't mean to call them drug addicts, but anyways, it just was so funny that they're out here. You know. Mm-hmm. They're doing pretty serious work if it were to ever come up. Yeah. <laughs> it never has. And so it's so boring here that we're like, let's get high and play chess. <laughs> the, the monitors will beep at us if something comes yeah, up. It's well, fine. It'll be fine. Meanwhile, the monitors won't beep at us because Yeoman Carr tunes X-Gal to the entry point, quote, Vector Prime. Oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. It's the title. Yep. Yeah, right. He like he's the only one sitting there working and he takes over the station and he's like, I'm gonna just turn the sensors over to where I know the entry point quote to be. He calls it Vector Prime. Entry point for what? Well the entry point pings. Yeah. <laughs> and Yeoman Carr, the only one there to hear the ping. Cause he turned all the volume down and stuff, right? Yeah. He like pointed all the other, or he, no, no, he, he just was like, I'm the only one here and I know what's going to happen. So do, 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 yeah. turn down. The He's volume. just looking at his screen by himself, waiting 
And as soon as it does... Vector Prime pings, and he gets excited. Quote, after all the years of preparation, what's happening? Yeah. So we have... Secret alien... Go ahead. We have aliens here for years hating humans and spying on them. At least one. That's all we know. Yeah, we know Here on the edge of the galaxy is Yeoman Carr. Waiting for more. Danny Queen's all right, but she don't got enough scars for me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He respects her because she's... But we have an alien hidden amongst the known species of the universe. Galaxy, excuse me. And all these years of preparation and Vector Prime is pinging. And he makes sure no one else will see the ping from outside the galaxy Mm -hmm. yep the signal is coming from outside the galaxy not in the house yeah it's not it's not scream or scary movie you're not getting a phone call from inside the house it's long distance yeah and he points as soon as it pings he points all the satellites in the other direction turn all the cameras away (laughs) from the door (laughs) right and he takes off running yeah to remove his human disguise. Uh, it would not do... I didn't read that right. Nor would it do for the executor to see him in this horrid human disguise, he reminded himself. Never mind that the humans did not typically appropriately paint their skins or mutilate any part of their bodies to show their worship to a worthy pantheon. Human eyes did not droop with the appealing bluish sacks beneath them, as did the Yuzhan Vong eyes. And the human forehead was flat, not enticingly sloped, as were those of the Yuzhan Vong. No, even after these months as an advance agent of the Praetorite Vong, Yeoman Kar could hardly stand the sight of the infidels. What mm-hmm. is happening in chapter two? <laughs> chapter two. <laughs> We're getting everything. Here's what's happening. Oh my goodness. So that's what Yuzhan Vong look like. Slanted foreheads, about a foot taller than your average human. Look like they never slept a wink in their life with big blue sacks under their eyes. And they mutilate themselves and tattoo themselves up. Mm-hmm. Gorgeous. Enticingly sloped. <laughs> yeah. That, 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 that was, was an odd nice writing. Yeah. No, it's perfect word choice for that character who is so hateful of anything that's not him. It's, yeah. it's perfect, right? It mm-hmm. makes no sense, but it's perfect. Meanwhile, I just, this, I can't believe what is happening in chapter two. An advanced agent? Mm-hmm. He calls the humans infidels. Yeah. So we're definitely hitting a certain note from the nineties uh, and two thousands. Yes. That might be a note that we're slinging at the middle East. <laughs> Could be right. Cause we're obviously drawing inspiration from whatever, uh, you know, I can't even think of the word. Oh, religious extremist uh, groups. Mm-hmm. And boy, does the word infidel come up a lot in real life after this book. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Anyways, what an what is a Praetorite Vong? What is a Yuzhan Vong? 
What is it? Advance agent for what? Entry point for what? Tim, <laughs> I think we've found our, quote, new threat from beyond the farthest reaches of the outer rim. Yeah. As it says on the back of the book. Yeoman Carr goes and takes off his human disguise. It prepares to. And it's time for all kinds of Yuzhan Vong weirdness. Yep. It's not weird enough to listen to this guy talk. He's got to remove his human disguise, which is called a Uglith Masker, which is some sort of living organism that tentacles itself into your skin and changes your appearance. Mm-hmm. It covers your body head to toe like a gel, <laughs> except it's full of stinging, piercing nettles that embed themselves yeah. into your body. Because we, a lover, pain yeah if we are a yuzhan vong turns out we love the pain because we also love to scar our face up and cut our lips cut off our nose yeah he does, he's done all sorts of stuff tattoo themselves because you know it's not badass enough to cut your ear off or something we got to also <laughs> decorate our skin with images of godliness he, there's a thing called villips Everything yeah. they have is living technology. Everything he has. Mm. The, the the disguise he puts on is a living thing. He has a thing in his ear that allows him to understand basic human English. I should, you know, to yeah. plebeians. He, uh, he has the villips, which are two membranous sacs that when you stroke them, they wake up and turn inside out. And form the shape of a person who owns the other eyeball yeah. across whatever distance. They're like paired up to each other. Yeah. And you just got to touch they're like, it. They're like quantum paired eyeball transformers. Yeah. They're they're weird. I picture, when I think of them, I picture like a ditto. That's kind of what I picture. I picture, I can't really think of the, the exact way to describe it. I guess like a, a hand-sized peeled grape. Okay. That's like the texture of it. Yeah. And then it like it can invert itself and, and become morph whatever. And did, but it yeah. still is that like cellulose wet <laughs> texture. So what do these villips do, Tim? Well, they allow Yeoman Carr to call his boss. Mm-hmm. The... He's very excited slash nervous. Mm-hmm. He calls the executor, right? And he says, he's almost ready. And he kisses a statue. A statue of Yanyamka, the noted god of war. Noted. Yep. He is a warrior. He is here undercover. And he is revealing himself and praying to the god of war of his people. And so, as the advanced scout yeah. of, of yep. whatever, it's time, he says. He takes off running in a loincloth yep. to start sabotaging the station. He loosens some screws up a pole, and then he bites through some cables. And he loves the electric pain. Yeah, he's getting shocked and cut. And I'm guessing he bites through it to make it look like an animal did it. I would think so. Or also, he's just savage. Yeah. Both. Yeah. Right? Because he's definitely um, he's thoughtful got a knife. and manipulative. He's got a knife. He could just... Yeah. But, but he also wanted the pain. Yeah. 
So it all works together for him, right? I guess. <laughs> he all uh, he comes across a beetle. He finds a beetle that he brought here to the planet with him. And he's like, good job, little fella. I can't believe you're all the way over here already. What? And then he puts his Uglith masker back on. It, which puts all those like probes back in his body and he's loving that Exquisite too. Exquisite shuddering pain. These people are freaky. <laughs> <laughs> They're into some weird what stuff. What is this guy? He lets a worm crawl in his ear that teaches him English. Like I said before, it's a I think it's a Tizo worm. All this living tech mm-hmm. is super awesome. Yeah. They're all functioning, living creatures, but they're used as technology as a as a concept in a in a book like as an idea to write about that is freaking awesome yeah that is awesome our technology is alive and it we use it to serve whatever purpose but that is so cool it's also all disgusting yeah these yuzhan vong are meant to repel us they're meant to be repulsive that's yes. better phrasing of the word they are disgusting yeah yeah they are so gross cuts himself to shreds the tattoos are whatever fine that's probably a 1990s attitude (laughs) (laughs) come to think of it right but you know he's the stinging uh god piercer stabbers of the other thing and he sticks a thing in his ear he eats his way into his brain and tells him english the eyeball petting, stroking them to get them to wake up. And then, oh my, it's all disgusting. It's all gross and like. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm excited. So he does all that sabotaging. He puts his disguise back on and he heads back with the team. They've seen the signal by this point And are very excited about what can only be an asteroid. Yeah, because they're not getting any mechanical read off of it. Yeah. There's, there's not no a light. ship or nothing. Yeah, there's no there's no exhaust. There's mm-hmm. no heat signature, I guess. There's no electronic uh, field magnetic signals. Yeah. Just, it can only be an asteroid. And they go into but conversations about it's it. it's an extra galactic asteroid. So that's awesome anyways. Yeah. Even if it is only an asteroid... Maybe it could have came from our galaxy and then got sucked back in, right? Maybe it got ejected. It rebounded. And gravity of the universe, no, of the galaxy. Sorry, wrong. Level. Yeah, because there's some like, <laughs> well, like galactic turbulence on the edge of the galaxy that stops things from coming in and out. Yeah, which is true. That's science. Yeah. That's uh, that's real life science in our, in our own solar system and, and galaxy as well. But even if it went out and came back in, it still went out there. Mm-hmm. And what is out there? It, it could only be an asteroid. It could have picked something up from out there. Who knows? Let's let's go get it. Ah, God. Yeoman Carr speaks up and he tricks everyone into spending a lot more time studying the signal and the asteroid before announcing it to the rest of the galaxy. And it makes sense. Mm-hmm. We should know what we're going to tell everybody that we found before we say... We found something from outside the galaxy. We should have the answer to the very obvious first question. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Don't know. But it's <laughs> extra galactic. Isn't that cool enough? Right. So he tricks everybody into taking their time. And we find out his boss has a name. 
Mm-hmm. The executor. His boss's name is Dun 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 Nam Anor. In case you didn't click those two Lego pieces together <laughs> from chapter one and two, this fanatical psychopath on the other side of the galaxy, Tim. Yeah, that's hating technology over there. That's the scariest, like, insidious part of this. Yeah. There's one in this station on the edge of the galaxy. That's scary enough. Mm-hmm. He calls his boss. Assuming is when we're when we're going through that scene, I'm assuming his boss is that signal. Yeah. Not already somewhere else halfway inside the galaxy. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And that's also been here long enough to start an uprising. Thank you. Yes, exactly what I was going to say next. He's been in here. This guy says years, right? Mm-hmm. Yeoman Carr tells us years of preparing. He's been here long enough to amass power to run a planet uh, and start an uprising. Who's met Mara Jade. And change all of their values. Yeah. Why do they hate droids on that planet all of a sudden? Is <laughs> it technology of the oppressor or something? Like, we can't afford that? I don't know. Anyways. His boss is Nominor. And man, this chapter is a beautiful first look and feel mm-hmm. for the Yuzhan Vong. They are creepy. They are gross. They're pain-loving invaders. They're already here. Mm-hmm. And so, to bring it back to the chapter title, Intergalactic Eyes. Intergalactic Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're coming from another galaxy. Someone. Something. A, a force of some sort that has been preparing to come. Yep. They're coming. They're coming and they got the people here. And also, apparently they've been watching for a long time with their intergalactic eyes. It sounds like a Hall and Oates song almost. Intergalactic eyes. They're watching you. Oh, they, oh that's because what's that? What's that? Oh, that's actually something eyes, right? Private eyes. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was uh, substituting two words there. And I was like, what, what is he saying watching you for? They're watching you, watching you. Anyways, Hall Notes is awesome, you guys. Intergalactic eyes. Also, huh? X-Gal 4. Mm-hmm. They are also intergalactic eyes. They are our galaxy's eyes looking outward. Yeah. Past the edge of our galaxy. And the Villips, which I assumed were, you know, communicating extragalactically, intergalactically, planetary. Also, Beastie Boys rock. And mm-hmm. That song Intergalactic is so good. I don't know if these people are good people, right? But the music is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I can't vouch for their personalities. Anyways, that uh, this t- these chapter titles thing, I'm loving it. Yeah. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I... Intergalactic Eyes is an excellent layered, and I I picked up four layers. I'm sure there's tons more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's awesome. That I'm. We haven't had. We've been doing this podcast for over three years. We've read 18 books. We've not had a single chapter title. No. And so it's fun to get like this. Your chapter title is like a hint of what's to come. Yeah. Really, that you're not really able to unpack until the end of the chapter. Mm-hmm. And maybe not even fully until the end of the book, right? But it's like a little bit of foreshadowing as a chapter title 
that I enjoy that a lot. I don't know as a reader. Yeah, you know, I like that kind of stuff. It's a, it's a fun switch up from what we've had, and because the closest we came were location titles. Yeah, that were crazy long. This is like <laughs> two M- words. MZX nine one zero two one one B asteroid. Yeah. This book is off to an amazing start. I honestly like. Okay, imagine it's the year two thousand. You've just seen a commercial for a new series of Star Wars books, and you go commercial for a book. <laughs> Must be great. You go check this book. You read the back, and you're like, a threat from beyond the galaxy. You known universe, and then you open it up, and it starts with this fire. Yeah. Where we got we start with team ass kicking ladies and find out we're throwing droids in pits and then we've got undercover spies sabotaging the entire galaxy in chapter two yeah like it's not small stakes to start no it's not not even close it's definitely setting us up that these guys know what they're doing and it's gonna be bad whatever they're doing they seem prepared yeah more prepared than the galaxy is. More prepared than I was for all this to happen in chapter two. Mm-hmm. Chapter three. The role of politics. Jason Solo follows Luke Skywalker into a council chamber. Yes. Not the council chamber, as I have written, mm-hmm. as I was misguided. Sometimes I write too soon. Where I'm like, I'll read a few sentences and then I'll write. Instead of reading a few paragraphs and then writing, sometimes I catch myself writing too frequently. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> and then something changes, you're like, God damn it. Yeah, I'm like, oh no, it's not the council chamber. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that exciting. Jason and Luke are attending a political meeting. And honestly, I'm like, the council chamber, I'm in heaven until it's a meeting with politicians in a council chamber. <laughs> New Republic, by the way, this government is called the New Republic. Yes. We have overthrown the Empire X years ago, right? 20 years ago, according to the back of the book. 21 years after the Battle of Endor. That was nice. <laughs> we, we're living in the New Republic, and things are still strained. We haven't fully, uh, not indoctrinated, enveloped, <laughs> I guess, yeah. depending on it, if you're Naminor, sure, right? Uh, that's the way you look at it and spin it. But we haven't uh, fully like included it, gathered everybody. all of the people of the galaxy into one governing system. Mm-hmm. And the New Republic in this meeting consists of Chief of State, Borsk Failia, which you can tell he's a Bothan because he's got an apostrophe in his last name. <laughs> uh, Borsk Failia, who his last name is Failia, Yes, it is. So as a politician goes, a little foreshadowing, maybe, I don't know. (laughs) His last name's Failia. Yeah, it's a... That's at least how I pronounce it. Fay, right? Apostrophe, F-E-Y, Fay, apostrophe, L-Y-A. Yeah. Yeah. Very hard to say, just that syllable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like gnocchi, right? (laughs) A G-L-I sound in Italian, very difficult. Boris Failia, (laughs) a Bothan. Who almost got charged with treason under Chief of State Mon Mothma, who was in charge before Leia. And then when Leia took charge, Chief of State Borsk Failia tried to oust then Chief of State Leia Organa Solo. 
So I don't think we're supposed to like him, Tim. No, he's done a lot Our of good things. introduction to this guy things. is that his last name's Failure. He betrayed the the most upstanding member of the Republic from the movies, mm-hmm. Mon Mothma. And tried to betray Princess Leia also. The other most upstanding member of the Republic from the original one. We're not, I don't think we're supposed to like this guy. No. I really don't. Nope. Right? The way he's introduced to us tells me, as a reader, middle fingers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're supposed to like him. And the rest of the counselors are a mixed bag. We've got Nick Nyov, in case you couldn't figure out what he is, a droopy-faced Soliston. Mm-hmm. Just like uh, <laughs> Lando Calrissian's flying buddy when he's wearing Hondo's closet. Hondo? <laughs> oh, no. <sighs> when he's wearing E. Honda's closet. <laughs> M. Bison. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyways, what, what was that guy's name? Uh, oh, shit. I don't know. And, uh, and, 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 uh, let's talk about the counselors, Tim. Focus. Nyuk Nyev, a Soliston. We've got Kalomas, a human, mm-hmm. from Alderaan. We've got a Wookiee named Treeback, in case you're one, in case you're curious about where he's from. <laughs> Science fiction names get me. Yeah. We've got a Quarren from the planet Mon Calamari, where usually it's the fish people who represent Mon Mm -hmm. Calamari as a planet in the Republic. This time it's a squid-faced Quarren. Whoa. Yeah. And then another guy, Fjord Rodan, and a guy named Chelch Dravad. (laughs) Hey, I know one of those names. Yep. The counselors, I'm not sure who to like or who to trust. But they tell us one guy's from Alderaan. Mm-hmm. And I know one other person from Alderaan, and we're supposed to like her a lot. So, like, you don't <laughs> say that for no reason, right? Through Jason's eyes in this meeting, we get to analyze friend and foe at the table. And like I said, mixed bag. The Jedi uh, get smack-talked here yeah. over Worth Skidder's idiot move. His, you know, careless, reckless uh, intrudence into politics. The Jedi shouldn't be doing such things. 16-year-old Jason can, quote, hardly believe the lack of respect coming from the council members disdaining the Jedi Order and their actions. Quote, hardly believe yeah. the lack of respect. Like they have no they have no right to... Oh boy, yeah. take it easy, 16-year-old, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. He's 16 and he's having very reactive emotions. He's allowed to be an indignant teenager. He's magic. And these regular people are telling him what to do. Yeah, and they're judging their <laughs> actions. And he also uh, he also says he calls this this meeting or this council or government in general, I suppose, by extension, a bunch of complaints and no solutions. Ah, politics. Wise, wise sixteen year old, right? That's government in a nutshell, right? Or humanity, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> a lot of complaints, not a lot of solutions. <laughs> They argue about the Jedi being dangerous and that Luke needs to get them under control. I've heard this story before and I swear to God. Oh, in every single series, in every single Star Wars book that includes Luke and a Jedi order. They're like, yeah, but we got to get these Jedi under control, man. Because mm-hmm. wouldn't it be a perpetually frightening thing to have wizards running around just doing all things you can't imagine? Yeah. 
And that just gives Luke, the government basically just said, hey, get a governing body for your Jedi. Right. Make a council, do something. That's kind of the thing, right? But yeah. like, just in perpetuity, it would be a conflict, much like... Uh, what were we saying before all that all the slavery stuff like mm -hmm. that it's not a conflict that ever goes away the centrism of government taking only care of its closest allies and not its weakest allies right yeah these things are forever problems and if you have magic in like a hundred people and like 70 trillion people who can't stop them that's scary. Yeah. And that's like a problem you're, you're never going to get over or get past. Yeah, it's a, it's a threat that's always potentially there all yeah. the time. Yeah. So get your Jedi under control, Luke Skywalker. Didn't you see what Worth Skidder did? <laughs> Kalo Moss, strong Jedi supporter, though. Noted. <laughs> Jason and Luke walk on after the meeting discussing the Jedi. Luke says we need one direction. And Jason thinks layers of bureaucracy shouldn't be applied to a spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. Jason's philosophy is that as a 16 year old, yeah, let's be clear. I think we're writing these characters as conscientious adults. We're told in the first chapter that they're adults. Mm -hmm. So let's not harp on them being 16 all the time. Cause I guess you can call 16 year olds adults. If you live in space magic world. Yeah. In real life? No. Mm -mm. 16 year olds? Are you listening to this? I'm sorry, man. You're not a grown up yet. You might feel like it sometimes. And sometimes you are, which is the hardest part of the situation. Sometimes you are expected to be an adult. And sometimes you're expected to listen like a child. Yeah, it's, a, it's an odd age. <laughs> so 16 is this conflict. Of its in and of itself. Yeah. Right. But Jason's philosophy is that becoming a Jedi and studying the force and mastering whatever yourself is a spiritual journey that nobody should tell you what to do or how to do it. Noted. Mm hmm. <laughs> right. But Luke thinks as a grown ass man, why well, can't be having people like Worth Skidder doing things that they're doing? Yeah, and I think a good philosophy is a nice cross between the two. Where, As with everything. Yeah, you, you have to have like a set of rules, laws kind of deal, but each person's journey through that is different and personal. And that, and, and that boils down to essentially micromanagement. Mm -hmm. You can set up a group, but how much you tell everyone else what to do is up to you. Yeah. You can all be a Jedi together and have a council where the council discusses maybe what everyone's doing and then doesn't tell other people what to do. Yeah. That can happen, Jason. Mm -hmm. You can have a compromise, but not when you're a teenager. Yeah. No, it's dichotomy always. And 16 brings up an even better, uh, not, not better, but more just perfect examination of being a teenager where Jason says, quote, how can I become what I meant to? If no, oh, this isn't a quote. This is sorry. <laughs> Paraphrase. His argument is essentially, how can I become who I'm supposed to be if someone else is telling me what to do and be? Yeah. The the teenage problem encapsulated, right? Mm -hmm. I need the freedom to become myself, but everyone else is always telling me what to do. Yeah. Ah, life's tough, eh, kid? He's not wrong. Although, what to do? Because they, Jason and Luke, master and apprentice... 
mm-hmm. uncle and nephew. Luke is a, a wise grown man who has overthrown an evil empire and helped establish a healthy government. Whatever yeah. problems we might've had with the remnants of the empire across, you know, heir to the empire and whatever books leading up to this disregard. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a process. All, all uh, growing and learning is. And so is building mm-hmm. and rebuilding, which is what star Wars is doing after the empire. But disagreeing on a basic philosophy of being a Jedi with your nephew, with your apprentice, I just think that's telling us something to look forward to. Mm. These two are going to be butting heads philosophically. Yeah. And I like that, actually, because, you know, Jason, to be the foil to the master, to challenge the things that you think are best, right? Yeah. Someone has to, you can't just be surrounded by yes men. Mm-hmm. Someone has to be like, we shouldn't have a council. <laughs> Here's why, you know, whatever, yeah. right? Ask the questions to, to, cause if somebody doesn't have an answer, yeah. then maybe And really why? in questions like this, there is no answer. Mm-hmm. There is only do or do not. <laughs> Actually, that's not even true. That's stupid. There is only try. Yeah. There is no do or do not. That comes how it will come. Do or do not will decide itself. Try is the actual power that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, yep. just to say that, I guess, because I'm speaking to teenagers right now, I think. <laughs> I don't know why I'm on my soapbox preaching and proselytizing here. It's actually really. What the hell does that word even mean? It's actually really good because we're both over 30. I learned something new about life all the time. Dude, it's you know crazy. what I learned every day? That I was so stupid yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind 15 years ago. Yeah. Never mind when I was a teenager, you know, and a child, whatever. That's the wisdom of, of adulthood, if you really pay attention, mm-hmm. is that every time you get an answer, there's five more questions with more depth. Yep. And so whatever you know, there's a, there's a, another uh, the iceberg underneath. You can never even know. You can never even fathom what you don't know. Yep. You can never understand. Anyways, back to the point. We end the chapter with a kind of polite agree to disagree between the master and apprentice. Just we just leave it at that. Yep. Luke's like, I hear you. I'm done discussing it. Some of your points are valid, but let's move on. That but we gotta move on. Yeah. Exactly. Agree to disagree. But what in this chapter have we learned about the new republic? There's a lot of anti Jedi sentiment. Yeah. Like not just in the outer rim at Ramamul and Osari in this council of in the actual government New Republic leaders. Yeah, Borsk Falia. <laughs> I I realized it like two days after writing the notes. I like looked at it again. I was like, his last name is Fail You. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't remember what my point was. All right, the chief of state is a bit anti Jedi mm-hmm. himself, and so conflict between the government and the Jedi. But also conflict amongst the government itself. And it seems among that council, I'm also getting the message most of these people are not to be trusted. Yeah. Most of the government is not to be trusted. They're out for themselves. And. Kalo Moss is pro Jedi and he's from Alderaan. He's probably all right. Other than that, I don't know, man. The Every... rest of them, Jason's like shifty. Yeah. <laughs> right? uh, kind of flip floppy. Which is, you know, we get, uh, we get an examination of everyone through him, mm-hmm. which is. Uh, um, an expression of his character getting him to tell us 
what everybody at the table is like is not only introducing those characters to us, but it's giving us depth on one of our main characters. Jason is a very analytical guy. Yeah. He is a very attentive, detailed, analytical guy. He sits in this room and he's thoughtful enough to think and analyze about what everybody's saying and mm. doing. And he's got he's a, not a he's, sorry. he's got a very clear um vision on what is right, what is wrong. Like he definitely does have a clear moral compass. Yeah. But just him it, it seeing other people through his eyes tells us about him. Mm-hmm. Cuz it's the way that he sees things, right? Yep. And that's a that's a nice. That's nice writing. That's a fun way to bring us into Jason Solo. How did we get into Jaina Solo? Piloting and starship fighting. Yep. How do we get get into Jason through his mind? Yeah. Brain power. And that tells us about the twins. Yeah, they are they're they're two separate parts of a whole. Yeah. They're two different parts of a whole. Not mm-hmm. separate, excuse me. Different. Very and and so, so be it. You know, they might share strengths and weaknesses, but the abundance of their strength is in different areas. Yeah. This is what we're learning in the first three chapters about our new characters <laughs> who are stepping out of the young, uh, young universe, right? Yep. The young reader universe and becoming adults at 16. Now, what is the role of politics? It's <laughs> a give and take balance or answering to people who don't even deserve to question you. Which one is it? Because, <laughs> you know, Luke gives us the uh, the perspective of compromise, mm-hmm. a wise perspective. And Jason gives us the perspective of entitlement. Oh. Yes. Oh, I got a yep. word I wanted today, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right? And uh, what is the role of politics in all of that? Well, that is politics in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Is tampering all of the entitlement with compromise. Yeah, and... <laughs> Luke learns a lot from what the people don't say. Yeah. Like they're upset because Jedi are disrupting some, like doing things like some, um, what's that called? When you, the smuggling stuff, they don't yep. say that they're involved, right. but they're upset about it. So okay, they're involved. Right. Cause there's uh, there's smugglers, right. That's, that's probably something that's going to come up in the story. There's smugglers in some part of the galaxy that Jedi are fighting mm. and the government is mad that they're fighting smugglers. Why? Because they're funded by yeah. pirates. Yeah, they didn't get no, they didn't have any direction, and that's where they're saying. Yeah. Why is this dude in the American government right now blocking all of this climate change stuff? Why does he have the power to do that in a certain bill? I don't know why one person has this power, but why is he doing it? Because he makes five hundred thousand dollars a year from a coal mine in Chicago or some shit. Mm-hmm. Right. Politics, right? The yep. role of politics. The role of politics in Jason and Luke's relationship. Mm-hmm. Jason is not quite very political in, in the way that he talks to his master, right? It's his uncle. He just kind of lays his emotions out there and his feelings out there. Luke, meanwhile, playing the role of politics, is a more balanced, even uh, receptor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to his apprentice. We'll see how long that keeps up. Because let me tell you. I have an 11-year-old and a 7-year-old, and I do not like it when they tell me I'm wrong. First of all, I'm always right. (laughs) Okay? So back off. Second of all, you're a kid, Mm -hmm. and I'm teaching you. Don't tell me how to tie a shoe. Why don't you just watch? Why don't you just listen for a minute? 
<laughs> so how long is he going to put up with this? Okay? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Chapter four. Seeds planted. Namanor waiting for his meeting with Leia and Team Solo Walker. As we alluded to and set up in the very first chapter. Mm-hmm. She was headed to Ramamul to meet with the more, I don't know, front and center faction leader in yeah. the disagreement. Yeah, the one that's been more vocal. The one who's been causing all the problems. Yes. Really. <laughs> he's waiting for a meeting with her. And he's talking about how Leia's no Jedi. She hasn't had any proper training. Jaina's young. But Mara's pretty strong for resisting my spore formula. Stop. Stop. First of all, he did it. Mm-hmm. He did it. Yes, he did. Because she told us before she has met him. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, he's uh, he's developed some bioweapon. Some bioweapon, which is not surprising when we've seen their technology, their weapons. No, weapons. I guess he didn't really use any weapons. Their technology is all living. Yep. And so turn a living thing into a weapon technology. And now Mara has some... I almost said spoon core. What is it? Coom spore. spore. <laughs> what is spoon core? That's a weird, very, very weird genre of music you don't want to get into. <laughs> spoon core. Okay. So he poisoned Mara with this disease. Shocking. Point of order. He knows a lot about all three of these main characters. Excuse me. Yeah. That's very worrisome. That's troubling because the bad guy knows a lot more about what's going on. Our good guys don't even know anything's wrong yet. Mm-hmm. And he knows a lot more than they do and a lot about them. Yeah. And has influenced them directly already. And he especially, the knowing about Mara and Leia, okay, they're central figures. Knowing about the 16-year-old? Yeah, for real. That is the craziest part of it. Yeah. How, how is there even public information on that? Yeah, she's just a trainee. She's not a big deal. Or maybe that's just, you know, dismissiveness. Could be. Right. And, and it, it is. Sorry. It's mm-hmm. not maybe. Uh, yeah. Him him going, Leia's no Jedi. Disregard her. Disregard Jaina. Mara's probably a little strong because she should totally be dead. But I'm going to smoke these fools. You know? It's fine. Like, he is that, the hubris. It's the hubris mm-hmm. of the villain, the downfall of everything ever. And yeah. any tragedy you've ever seen. You know? So far, so good, though. Which, by the way, an interesting thing in, in the, the, one of those writing podcasts I listened to, they uh, somebody made a note, a point of saying, you know, from the villain's perspective, every story is a tragedy. We're like, no matter what I do, I it's not going right. Mm-hmm. I have all this power. I have all this capability. I have all this... Uh, equity and influence. But no matter what I do, I'm always going to tragically downfall. (laughs) Like I'm going to have that tragic downfall because of my fatal flaw. And like, if you flip your perspective and think about the story from the, from the villain's perspective, every story is a story of triumphant uh, planning and success. And then disastrous failure all along the way. As you're thwarted every step of the way in an adventure story type yeah. thing, right? Or a, a fantasy or, or science fiction. And I just thought that was interesting. Like, think of Namanor, where he goes, Pfft. We've been here planning for years. 
Vector Prime has pinged. Mm-hmm. You know, my my uh, my underling has called me. I am not. I am so overconfident right now. I don't even have to worry about Leia Solo. Yeah. Right. Man. Oh. Also, he burned out his own eye and replaced it with a goose-spitting monster. I wonder if that'll come up. Yeah, he poked it out with a hot end of a stick. Because it's exquisite pain, and we love it. It does not give us boners. (laughs) We love it spiritually. (laughs) Wink. (laughs) Hey, okay, Naminor is uh, meeting with the Solo Walker women. Why? To find some way to uh, simply kill them. Yeah. <laughs> Learn about them and get rid of them. Kill them. And all the super creature Jedi. He calls the Jedi super creatures. Yes. Which, how interesting is that? From an extra galactic perspective, you see trillions of regular people and this super creature that can do unbelievable things while you've been studying for mm-hmm. your invasion. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to make a spoon core wink, and I'm going to kill all the super creatures so that our invasion is that much easier. And he's like, you know what we'll do? We'll simply walk into Mordor. Yeah. I'm going to have them come in here. I'm just going to, I'm just going to kill them. It's going to be fine. He sure knows a lot about these VIPs though. eh? Yeah. Bad guy. He knows enough about them to slightly dress up like Darth Vader for the meeting. With Leia. Mm-hmm. Just to put her on the off foot, right? He's got the breathing mask, the cape. Off balance on the wrong foot. And, and when they show up, he starts lecturing Leia about the hypocritical New Republic aristocracy. That money never trickles down, does it? He ain't quite wrong. Then he growls at 3PO. Yeah. We're being told that these people are wild savages. In addition to being cold, calculated conquerors. Yeah. Whoa, I got a nice alliteration there Mm -hmm. accidentally. I don't know why I love alliteration so much, but I do. That's great. Um, Wild, savage beast warriors. The guy bites power cables with his teeth, right? Mm. Poke your eye out with a thing. Growl at a droid. Growl. Growl. Like, that's the animalistic... uh, not personification, I guess. The animalistication. I don't know what the <laughs> hell literary term you would put to uh, the to animalistic animalizing humans. The animalistic nature of this species just... They're they are a threat to be reckoned with. And yep. oh my god, they know a lot. And they act weird. <laughs> he hates droids. He wonders if the Yamask have set up the controlling base. And I'm like, what does yep. that mean? I don't know. We cut to the Jade Saber taking off after the meeting, but witnessing the droid pit on the way out. Mm-hmm. 3PO is quite shocked. Yeah. Rightfully so. And the, and all three. And everyone hates Dominor. take off. They're, they're flying over that. They're still like sparking. Some of them are still like writhing around. They're like just ground control. Like, yeah, 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 air yeah. control. You can't go there. You can't fly there. And they're like, see you. Yeah. Cut to Luke and Jason. They find Han and Chewie working on repairs to the Falcon. As you do because when you're Falcon. Han and Chewie. Because she's always falling apart some way or another. This time, it's 15-year-old Anakin Solo's fault. Yep. 
flying a little too hard on your way into uh, Coruscant's atmosphere and knocked a piston loose or something. He's not quite Jaina, is he? No, he's flying it like a land speeder, not uh, like a 90-year-old space freighter. Yep. And it's chaos. Them them repairing the ship is is all three of them shouting and yelling and growling at each other, mm-hmm. right? Howling at each other and stuff. And just the stoic Luke and Jason standing by watching the chaos. Yeah, watching and kind of laughing at it. The chaos of Han and Chewie and Anakin trying to fix the Falcon is a, a nice character intro for the three of them. Mechanics and pilots, right? Mm-hmm. And I forgot... That I love Anakin Skywalker. False. Also true. I love Anakin Solo <laughs> so much. Him, it just, he, you know, he's just whatever. The repartee, the back and forth between him and Chewie. Like, they're obviously best friends. Been Chewie's been there forever, right? It's, yeah. it's Uncle Chewie. It's surrogate father Chewie. He's always been there. Yeah. Dad's not around. Go go to Chewie. And we just were setting up this family dynamic. Where, you know, Luke and Jason are just standing by watching everybody go bonkers together and get mad at each other and fix things. And, oh, it's just a nice introduction to the three mechanics. Mm-hmm. And then we cut to Anakin calls the Falcon a stupid ship. <laughs> and Chewie goes Scott Holland on him. Yeah. And they bond. Yeah. Teenagers. Grabs it's him. the way it goes with teenagers <laughs> yeah. sometimes. Grabs him, holds him up in the air, and threatens, <gasps> threatens to break his lightsaber. Scared the shit out of Douglas. Sorry. Yeah. He's like, I'll snap your lightsaber in half, you mouthy little boy. Don't you ever talk about my ship again. Yeah. You love this lightsaber? You think you love this lightsaber? Imagine how much I love this ship that I've lived in for 50 years. Mm-hmm. Call it a stupid ship. <laughs> and so on. Great scene. But immediately I was like, oh, yeah, uh, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did you step out of line and got choked out? Cut to <laughs> Han and Luke discussing politics. How the New Republic is so troubled. Name dropping Lando. Mm-hmm. While discussing the, well, the the Jedi versus pirate smuggler action on the other side of the Outer Rim or wherever the hell that is. And uh, Lando has apparently out there... A TIE Fighter Asteroid Bumper Car Raceway. Yep. If I could succinctly sum it up. It's free. He put good deflector shields on them, and they race through asteroids. Um, what is it? Luke thinks it's a, like a training program for smugglers. Yeah, and it is, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> of course it is. It's like, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> uh, excellent training and an excellent... Uh, um, actually sort of uh, parallel foreshadow to what's happening with the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And that's how Luke perceives that, right? Oh, you're act because that's what's on his mind. Oh, you're actually training a new generation. That's what you're doing with this. Oh, that's from Luke's perspective, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Just as a little note, but apparently this place is so cool that we're going to take a full on family vacation there. Yeah, we're all going to go meet meet there. Cause we're Le- all going to go meet up there because we got to at least see what's up with the Jedi. Uh, Lando's still in that smuggler ring. He's going to have information. information for us because yep. Lando's always got information when we go see him and nothing ever goes wrong. <laughs> and he definitely never betrays us and sells us out to the baddest guy in the galaxy. <laughs> Why would he do that? He's our friend. So we're going to take a family vacation out to wherever the hell it was. And just as Anakin and Chewie get the Falcon... Back running, almost. 
There's a little bit of, ah, this one didn't fire, and then, ooh, it did fire. Yep. Somebody bonks their head or something, or I don't remember. And smoke comes pouring out. Oh, yes, that's great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect ending scene <laughs> for the chapter. A happy little family trip we have to look forward to. We'll have Uncle Lando's amusement park cottage of information. I don't know. Yeah. My God. Wherever it is. But this scene of just... The Falcon being a disaster, the Solos being a disaster, like, you know, like a hot mess type of disaster. Mm -hmm. Not like they're all having a bad time. They're just a chaotic crew. Yeah. And Anakin Skywalker, oh my God, I'm going to do that so much. Mm -hmm. Anakin Solo is funny. He is so funny. Yep. I, him and Chewie, so funny. Such a, a cool bond. Such a fun, like dynamic between the two of them like i'm i'm your big teddy bear uncle don't call my ship stupid or i'll break your lightsaber <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, just yeah. put the 15 year old where he belongs but what are the seeds planted number one spoon cores coom spores yeah right? literal seeds literal planting seeds of disease mm-hmm. and then he also plants some like seeds of discord and chaos with the group, with the solo walker ladies, Jesus, what big walker dog also, where, you know, they think they're coming in for a, a respectable meeting and he just puts them all in their place. Yeah. What other, what about, what about the, the backside of the scene? What seeds were planted in the Falcon scene in this chapter, right? The backside of the chapter, not scene. I mean, what seeds were planted? Luke and Jason watching the chaos on the Falcon, Luke and Jason being stoic, on, on this they're on the same team over here mm-hmm. Anakin's over there on team Falcon also I forgot to mention we're told Luke is also Anakin's master yeah Luke has two apprentices the solo boys mm-hmm. left the girl out rude <laughs> you can only handle two at a time you know what you gotta teach women things to women from women <laughs> I don't know it's, it's the way of the 90s bro we can't cross over genders how will we ever learn anything <laughs> How am I supposed to discover who I'm supposed to be if everyone's telling me what to do? But the Falcon is broken. Anakin and Chewie are awesome. Han is mad at his son for breaking his ship. And Luke and Jason are just like, time for family vacation. Mm. Like what? <laughs> and and not that, not that Han's son flying the ship like a crazy person is actually out of the realm of possibility. Excuse me, it's in the blood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's just like, my ship. Ah, would you? It, no, it's like he let his teenage son drive the car for the first time yeah. and he scraped the side mirror off or something. Yeah. Like, what? How did you do? Right. Yeah. It's just a very relatable family scene where we get to into these characters. Yeah. He got to drive the car for the first time and fender bender. fast. Yeah. <laughs> Man. There we go. The first four chapters. Planets at Conflict. Mara Jade is sick. Jedis are making mistakes. Teenagers have all the power. We might have a Jedi Council. There's creepy evil invaders. Droid bashing. Masters and apprentices. So many threads to follow. Mm -hmm. Follow them with us. Next week, when we cover New Jedi Order, Book 1, Vector Prime. Chapters 5 through 8.
I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Solo Walker family vacay. Woo! <laughs> Let's do it. Go see Lando. No. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.